Hey y'all, this is Joel. Welcome to the Joel Bynes Show. Grateful for you being here. This is part three in the School vs. Education solo series. And you can look forward to next week more on the education topic with my friend Hannah Frankman, who is an amazing, powerful person, making lots of change in the world of education and building new paradigms. So we're going to play with possibility and get her influence and inspiration next week. So look forward to that. I want to start today inviting you to really kind of drop in to what it was like for you to go to school. I think the typical person who goes to a typical school, even if you were an A student or a C student or an F student, whatever label they gave you, I think the typical person going to a typical school for those 12 plus years growing up had a similar experience. And the common thread was sort of an endurance of and a very low quality experience, a very uninspiring experience, a very drudgerous experience, a very forced experience. Even if there were some things you enjoyed, you look forward to, to playing basketball in PE, or you look forward to creating art, or you look forward to even having a class discussion about a certain book. The thing is that I would assume that even if part of you look forward to certain things, you probably just kind of were looking forward to Fridays the most and ending this week of school. You're probably just looking forward the most to getting out of there. You probably were watching the clock more times than not. And learning to push yourself through the day and the week and to push yourself through the assigned homework and to push yourself through the assigned reading. And that kind of sucked. But it's easy for us to deny that and to paint pictures of our past about only the, the fun things and kind of lose touch with the true depths of our pain and sorrow and lack of motivation. And that's kind of what I want to highlight today is that lack of motivation that pervades so many people going through this system. And this is kind of this third lesson, this hidden lesson the school system brings about is apathy. Apathy. So we talked about obedience. We talked about conformity. And let's talk about apathy and this lack of motivation that is bred throughout the school experience. It's not born into you. You are born curious and alive and desiring to seek out knowledge and skills. And, and then you begin to lose the spark and you are continually compelled to show up to the school and do the assignments and sit in the desks. And it's no wonder you started to become less motivated. It's no wonder you started to lose the spark and became more apathetic. It's no wonder that so many people will just ask, is this going to be on the test? Or do I have to know this? Right? This is just a product of the conditioning 
because people just are trying to chase those carrots or avoid those sticks, chase the good grades or avoid the punishment of bad grades. That could be punishment from the teacher, punishment from parents, and just trying to get through the whole experience in this punishment reward paradigm. So when we're in that extrinsic motivation paradigm of doing this because authority figures told you to, why the heck would you have motivation from the inside out? Your motivation becomes to minimize pain. And again, there could be some flavoring in this experience. There could be some moments of joy and some moments of inspiration from some some educators, or you could have some moments of creative aliveness. And, you know, when I was working in the school system, I was creating art, I was creating music with the young people with whom I worked. And there are moments of incredible excitement and even shared purpose. And, and I watched other artists in other domains in dance and theater and visual art and lots of amazing moments happening. And again, even people interested in other topics like physics, there's people becoming engrossed to a degree. I'm not seeking to deny any of the value or genuine, genuine interest in a particular domain that may have happened for you or may happen for some young people going through this school system. But what I'd like to invite is the possibility that that excitement, broadly speaking, is more like a needle in the haystack. It's more like the exception. And even if there are moments like that, the general undercurrent of the experience of waking up early and getting on that school bus and carrying that 15, 20 pound backpack and showing up and sitting in your desks and waiting for the announcements and listening to the bell ring and doing the freaking Pledge of Allegiance and waiting for the bell to ring to get to that next class so you can finally have three or four minutes to maybe talk to your friends and just anticipating the 15 minutes you might get to go outside at some point during the day and just this undercurrent, this subtext of drudgery, this subtext of we don't trust you to learn on your own, this subtext of you're here so that you can get to the next grade, so you can get to the next level, so you can get to a good job, so that you can eventually be happy. It's all nonsense. It's all this centralized and homogenized mold of a system, the standardized system that shapes kids' minds rather than let the mind of the individual follow his or her curiosity and interests and think for himself or herself. That is a fundamental subtext. And any of the value that comes in that system, we could have a hundred times, thousand times better than that if you take the compulsion out of the system. If you take the extrinsic motivation away, we can have we can boost that thing by orders of magnitude. We can boost that joy and excitement when we get out of the way and we stop telling children what they have to do. So I'm in touch with my aliveness through my energy and my voice right now because I've rekindled my connection to my own needs 
for respect, respect in my mind to think for myself and to learn what I want to learn, and my self-driven autodidactic spirit, and my need for autonomy and choice and independence and freedom. And so I'm calling out the school system for what it is and saying, these needs matter. These needs matter for children. And my apathy is now gone. But when I was going through school, whew, plenty of apathy. Plenty of apathy. The, the, the rock bottom for me was, was going to middle school. Maybe this resonates with you. Many people, I think, agree that middle school is the hardest time. Because now it gets more serious. Oftentimes they take away recess. Now they're emphasizing grades even more. Now you're beginning to become an autonomous person biologically as you go through puberty. And you want more freedom, but they're continually just telling you to fall in line and follow the herd. And you have more projects and more worksheets. And, and then the teachers, believe me, I've been a teacher of this age range as well in this system. Telling y'all, I know this thing inside out, this topic inside out. The way that teachers view, broadly speaking, this age group of middle school is, is very much, we need to control them because they'll get out of control. They're the, the, the toughest age is seventh grade, the toughest grade. Otherwise, you won't have good classroom management. So you really need to be firm to make sure that no one gets out of line so that you have order in the classroom. Now, there's a need for order in life. There's a need for peace. If we want to have learning occur, we don't want to have distraction if we're in a group environment. But I heard another podcast recently, and the idea was presented that if, if Steph Curry, one of the great basketball players, if he all of a sudden announced he's going to do a shooting camp, a week-long sh- sh- basketball shooting camp, and there's 100 people who are 100 slots for people to come and, and, and sign up. A, those 100 spots would sign up very quickly. And do you think that, and let this, let's assume this is for kids. Do you think that um, there's going to be all sorts of, you know, issues with kids not being focused? They're all choosing because they're like lit up and they like, are invested in this. No, their parents didn't make them do it. It's like they are super lit up about this opportunity. And they're so mesmerized by the chance to hear from Steph Curry. They're not going to be distracting. They're not going to start making noise and getting in the way of, of Steph Curry speaking to the 100 kids. And if one kid does that, what do you think the other 99 kids, like they're not going to like that. It's going to be the opposite of school. In school, it's like cool to like be annoying and disruptive because you're in a situation where no one really wants to be there. I'm making general statements here, but I think you, you get the point. You're getting the value here that I'm highlighting. You're getting the truth here that I'm highlighting. And we have a premise of extrinsic motivation and compulsion to attend the thing, attend the thing you don't want to do. That's everything. So middle school... There's like an enemy imagery from teachers onto that age group trying to control them more. The kids are having the hardest time in the world as they're trying to get their needs met for autonomy as they grow up, but they don't, that's literally just getting stuffed down and stifled. They're being controlled more than ever. So for me, all to say that for me, the apathy really started to kick in. Moving into middle school where 
you know, elementary school, you're in this one classroom and you have more of a container and you have, it's a little bit maybe more free form. And then middle school shifting into seven, eight different periods of 45 minutes during the day of all these different topics and all these different teachers and all these assignments. I didn't look forward to that stuff. These six subjects of math and, and English and science and social studies. And this is just arbitrary. It's arbitrary. I don't need this. There's a million freaking topics I want to learn. But it's just, just beaten down by this system. Compelled to go for 35 hours a week, not including the school bus, not including the homework. So I just remember, I just remember like getting off the bus on a Monday at 3.30 p.m. or whatever. And i am got my big backpack and I'm walking back to my house. And I'm just like, four more days till Friday. Four more days till Friday. Couldn't wait till Friday to come. Oh, and then there might be like a, a one-week vacation coming up in three months from now. That'll be nice, right? So I'm, in a, uh, I'm inviting you right now to, to become aware of any part of you that has that type of apathetic energy any memory of that apathetic energy from those years of your life. Could be middle school, could be other years. The reality is that the apathy really kicks in because at some point the child realizes that he doesn't really have much choice and this is just going to be what it is. And so why fight it? Why fight it? That's the essence of apathy. There's a need that's trying to get met by becoming empathetic. A need for peace. A need for comfort. And just Let's just let go of this fight. And we'll just let them order me around. And okay, yeah, I'll do this stupid math thing. Okay. And so to see education and, ex- and learning as something that's fun and to, to invest energy in finding knowledge on your own. I mean, for so many of us, that's completely zapped out. You just completely neurologically associate education with chore, with drudgery. You neurologically associate learning with dreary, gloomy, heavy, ponderous, burdensome energy. So you get home. And what do you want to do? Oh, I got home. Yeah, I'll go watch some TV. Now the kids are probably scrolling. And, and then people want to villainize the phones and the social media, which I think there's things to talk about with, we'll just talk about like preteens and teens having addictions to phones. You could, you could say that it's an issue with the phones and the, the social media apps. There's definitely a case to be made to a degree. But the thing is, how, how often are we talking about the root problem here, which is that this kid is dead inside because he's been forced to go to the school system and he's trying to numb his pain by scrolling on the Instagram. He's trying to numb, which is completely understandable. So I think it's worth really inviting yourself to reconnect with the child you once were going through these compulsory school systems and to really sit in it and reconnect to what it was like. Everyone's experience is different, but again, I think you catch my drift here. Connect to those parts of you that didn't like school, that didn't like being told what to do. And we can begin to heal. It's recognizing the truth of the matter and becoming conscious of the parts that have the pain and the wounds 
from oppression. That's what it is. It's oppression of children by putting them in part-time prison. That is essentially what is happening. When we strip away the euphemisms, you recognize that a school is a part-time prison for kids. So it's being conscious of the wound for that part of you. When we begin to unearth that, we begin to have the opportunity to accept and love it and heal and integrate and return to wholeness and the curious, creative human that you truly are, that wants to learn. Now, you maybe already have a grasp on this process because if you think about something like reading books, now it's still the case that the vast majority of people, adults in the United States at least, don't even read any books which is a symbol, I would say, of the apathy that from their school conditioning. And if you are someone that reads books, which you probably are because you're listening to this podcast, so you have an intellectual uh, light that's on, you read books as an adult, and you do that voluntarily because you're interested in learning and growing and so forth. I invite you to think about what your relationship to reading was when you were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and your relationship to assigned reading and how you were assigned to read pages 44 to 57 by tomorrow and how that maybe sucked. So you associated reading with drudgery. But now as an adult, maybe you've kind of had some, some natural healing take place as you've grown and gotten away from that system. And you're like, huh, I think I want to go learn this thing. And I read about this. I'm going to read this book now. Well, that's reconnecting to your curiosity, right? And your desire for, for true intrinsic motivation. And so it's really fleshing that out to fully de-school yourself, to fully heal and let go of the apathetic energy that could be stored in you and to let go of certain mindsets. For example, the permission-based mindset. We are conditioned to ask for permission to go learn what we want to learn. Ask for permission to go use the restroom. Ask for permission to speak for 15,000 hours. We're conditioned. We're, we're looking left. We're looking right. I'm like, am I allowed to go create this thing? So that's a, a schooled mindset that we're conditioned with. And so we want to heal that by saying, what can I go create for my own intrinsic motivation without permission? To embody the permissionless mindset and say, I go do what makes me come alive because I want to. There's no other secondary reason necessary. I uninhibitedly go pursue what makes me come alive without permission. That's reclaiming your autonomy and sovereignty and curiosity, creativity, empowerment. So I, I do invite you to check out the uh, De-School Yourself podcast, which was from 2017, an eight-part series, just like a one-time one deal of package of eight episodes talking about these mindsets and having honest conversations about the damage and wounds about going to compulsory school and ways to begin to unhook those, those conditioned mindsets and ways to heal and grow and become who you are. And TK Coleman in his interview in that series, he said something that has always stuck with me, which is to create is to heal. That one of the best antidotes to your schooled conditioning is 
to create on your own accord. Go create something. Go create a photography collection. Go create a blog. Go create a business. Go create something from your own initiative that becomes an antidote to the apathy. Go pursue and seek out based on your own interests and actualize those interests. And that becomes antidote to that conditioned experience of repetitively going through the motions to endure the compulsory school experience. And when we de-school ourselves and we create and we heal, then we are really embodying true education. Education comes from within. Education is the activity of the learner. It's intrinsically motivated. It's truly tuning into your own soul and body and like, what do I want? What do I desire? What do I really, really, really want to really connect with that? You can do a sentence completion exercise that I like to do, which is just what I really, really, really want is, and let your subconscious finish that sentence six, eight times without filter. Do that every day for a week. Connect to the desire that's in you and just see what happens. Don't hold back. That can be tough because we might have beliefs about whether or not that's okay to dream big, whether or not it's okay to have desire, whether or not it's okay to take care of yourself, right? Because we're conditioned in this system. There's so much self-sacrifice culture. But that's part of a healing process is, is to do a sentence stem like that, a sentence completion exercise. What I really, really, really want is just let that sentence finish. So to finish out this episode... I really want to paint a little bit of a picture for what's possible in education. So I've riffed here on the honest nature of the current compulsory system. And I've riffed on what education really is at an individual level, but at a big picture level, where can we as humans lead ourselves? What can education look like? What can the 50 million plus children in the United States be doing with their time? Well, and by the way, people like to ask, you know, when they hear about these problems with school, they want to ask, well, what's your, what's your solution? And I don't have a solution. I have possibilities and invitations and I have trust. I have trust for the creativity of humans. So when we think from a sort of market perspective about what can humans, how can humans serve each other, right? We're talking about markets and business and like, let's really get clear about what that means. It's, it's some humans creating value to serve other humans in win-win ways. So what I do is I trust people to create options to serve kids, and to serve parents when there are needs that are seeking to get met. This is simply what is, what is happening in the market. And that gets exciting and gets infinite in the possibilities for education because education is an individualized process because every individual has his or her, his or her own interests and styles and desires. And so there's really 
infinite possibilities. Now there could be, let's just talk about first what, what alternatives are out there right now that are starting to, to, to really thrive more and more in the past few years. You see an uptick in people questioning this system, the standard system, and uptick in interest in options like micro-schooling. And you can check out the Prenda model, which is a basically it's an organization that's facilitating people getting connected to micro-schools and having these smaller group experiences of project-based learning and so forth. You have options like Sudbury Value School, which has been around for over half a century, sort of one of the original alternative schools from the 60s in Framingham, Massachusetts, which is basically a campus that just allows the child to do what he wants to do all day, literally. It's basically an unschooling campus, and there's no limitations, there's no um, restrictions on what that child is allowed to do in terms of things to learn. Now, there's certain structure they have with, like, that I don't even agree with. There's, like, the kids are can vote on certain policies that the school has, and I don't like that. But um, the spirit of freedom is incredible. And so there's kids who have gone through that, and they just went fishing for three years. <laughs> they just dive deep into one thing that they're interested in. And they gain mastery and the obsession over that thing from that intrinsic motivation. And they gain so much focus and so much knowledge about so many areas. But it's not even about like checking boxes for what things you learn. It's just getting excited to learn something. And you take that and then you go learn the next thing. What do you want to get obsessed about next? Um, the founder of Sudbury Valley, I heard her on a podcast and she was talking about her daughter who went through the Sudbury Valley program or the school, and she conveyed that her daughter, who's now a thriving, happy adult, her daughter, when she was, I don't know, a young teenager or so, she and her friends, for an entire year, all they did was just hang out in this one room and just like, I think they were just like uh, playing and like, decorating their shoes or something like that. It was just like, there was just not even anything happening. There was just like sitting around and talking, basically. There was something with her shoes, I forget. Maybe I made that up. But <laughs> the point that the mother, the founder of Sudbury made on this podcast was that it, it looked like these three girls, these four girls in this room were just doing nothing for an entire year. But the, the daughter conveyed that that was the best year of her entire childhood. Because she was just hanging out with her friends and talking and bonding and laughing and who knows? Wasn't doing nothing. It was an incredible experience. Just hang out with your friends without any interruption and pressure to go do other things from adults and authorities. And oftentimes kids will, will feel bored in these types of environments, especially if they're transitioning from a compulsory school to a Sudbury Valley school. Then there's oftentimes a... a decompression period of 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 de-schooling and that boredom i like to say boredom though is the first step towards curiosity so anyway Sudbury Valley is an amazing option in many ways and there's people who have come through that have become happy entrepreneurs and there's a lot of actually data on that 
Um, there's Acton Academy, which is a very self-directed oriented option. There's places like Waldorf and Montessori, which have a lot of freedom. Now, all these places I can, I can make some remarks about things that I think aren't fully radically trusting the child's spirit and intrinsic motivation. Um, but compared to the, the typical compulsory government school, it's a night and day, basically. So there's a lot of options out there that are emerging, have been around for, for some years, and it's just getting going more and more, I think. And so I think we're on this opportunity for, for humans to really generate a full free market of education options. And that can be every, everything from unschooling home, home education in, in the, the home of the family to more, you know, structured type home and education environments with certain curricula to all these different in-person campus experiences to simply just the idea of radical self-directed learning and just living one's life and having experiences. Oh, I'm interested in violin, so I'm going to go do violin. I'm going to go take one-on-one lessons. I'm going to go join this youth orchestra. I'm going to explore that, but not from a place of the compulsion and coercion. So like, if I'm really being unbridled in my vision for, for what's possible with education, it's, it's first starting with the fact that let's, as adults, let's integrate our inner child so we can become fully whole and not project our fears under our children, our fears that they're not going to be able to learn certain things without certain intervention. We need to heal our inner child and give ourselves full trust and trust the child to follow his own interests, to follow her own curiosities and get out of the way, get out of the way. So let's integrate our own inner child so we are not projecting onto our children and then allowing them full autonomy and freedom. Now, as an adult, you can still provide feedback and provide suggestions or whatnot and express any feelings or concerns you have about certain thing. Or, but to really give full respect for the child's will. And from there, we can just have so many different possibilities where, like, again, learning violin, for example, that's completely stripped away from a lot of the baggage that happens for a lot of kids learning musical instruments, which is, oh, this is something that you're supposed to do and it's good for your mind and good for your brain, so we're going to make you do it. <laughs> like, no, like, actually, starting from first principles, intrinsic motivation, radical, and allowing the child to go pursue that if she wants to. Maybe she wants to go learn to cook, take a, a how to make sushi rolls class, or Maybe you just want to go deep dive into the history of the Southwest of the United States and you're going on into this history, you're going to these museums or you're going on a trip to the four corner states and you're, you're immersing yourself. You're, you're going to meet people who are from there. You're going to some, that's learning. Um, so many op- options. And then you can have these campuses that are facilitating, for example, business opportunities. So the Acton Academy has, the children's business fair of these like nine, 10, 11, 12 year old kids are starting little businesses and they're having, they're getting the opportunity to learn the art of, you know, creating value and sharing that and marketing that and selling that and so forth. And the list just goes on and on. You can have one-on-one opportunities to learn from 
particular to apprentice from particular people in particular domains. You can do one-on-one tutoring lessons and certain things. You know, it's funny the word tutoring is such baggage if it's like forced again, but I'm I'm really trying to freshen all this up. It's like you can have one-on-one. I want to go learn from this person, take lessons on how to write novels from this local professional writer or online or so many opportunities. There's Socratic the Socratic experience is another online opportunity from Michael Strong. Um I interviewed him on on my other podcast last year, the Daily Job Hunt podcast, um, talking about Socratic learning and just the art of of asking why and having these philosophical dialogues and, and giving trust to the the child. But really, in in uh, an ideal vision for humanity, which I am seeking to lead people to dream about and to move towards, is to trust. That there are infinite possibilities. And if there are certain needs, for example, like to have social connection for kids, people can create opportunities for that. Entrepreneurs or just families, if there are certain needs to learn how to read, well, there can be people who are helping with that process. Or we can or not. It depends. Maybe it's the the, the kid just figures out how to read by age six on his own with no intervention at all, no um, guidance at all. That happens all the time. Or maybe there's certain places where the kid's like, you know, I want to get some help on how to learn to read now that I'm 11. I haven't learned to read yet, but I actually think I want to now because I, I can see that I'll be able to learn more about this thing I'm interested in. So I'm going to go learn to read now. Or I mean, honestly, the reading topic is 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 there's we just need to get out of the way and the kid's going to learn to read by himself whenever he's ready and we just need to let go to full trust so there's one-on-one opportunities there's in-person events there's just learning and by living and having experiences and and there's all sorts of things in between and we just need to let go of the the clinging to fear let go of the clinging to fear and the child won't learn Unless we make him learn and reconnecting to our own child self that was not trusted and recognizing that's the best gift we can give ourselves and our, our children is to integrate that wound from our own experience where we were continually distrusted to go learn from our own intrinsic motivation. And as we return to wholeness, and trust, we lead by example with our own children. And they see how wonderful life is and how intrinsically desirable it is to go follow your curiosity and allow that seed of curiosity to blossom 